Subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. From Caritas, Alabama, this is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. It is Our Lady who just told us, November 25th, 2012, I am with you and I protect you from the ruin of sins. It's an amazing thing to think that we've gone decade after decade after decade Falling more and more into decadence as a society. And now people that don't even pray can see we're at the precip of total societal collapse. But our message is one of hope. And Jesus' mercy is one of unlimited measure. And so it is he sends his mother to protect us underneath her mantle. Because there's consequences for the way we've all lived. We've inherited a culture due to Christianity's failure. And maybe it should be rephrased, not Christianity, but we who live as Christians, not living fully the fully life of a Christian walk, has failed. 
Evil is not suppressed any longer. We're in evil times. But how do we go from a Christian society to an evil society? Except that we're at fault. And this is why Pope Benedict said, just one tear of repentance. That's all we need. And so the same message our lady says, confess. Accept my call with your heart. Not partial. Not 99%. Unequivocally. Your whole heart. Are you ready to enter these times? Our Lady said, Holy martyrs died witnessing. I am a Christian. Mary is the first Christian. She's our model. Christ being God is our guide, our founder. And how have we lived this? With failure. So the first place we always have to look is at ourselves. If my people pray, turning their face back toward me, I'll heal their land. This is where everything begins, and nothing can until that does. And so it is. We come today to you through Medianomics. I'm discussing our economic problem, which again is not a problem. It's a moral problem. You fix the moral problem, God fixes the economic problem. It's too complex. We can't do it through methods. We can't do it through schemes. We can't do it through the central bank, lowering taxes, raising taxes. We've got to go back to the moral order. And God will bring order to everything that surrounds us. Joan? This reading comes from the book Apostolic Farming, which was written by Catherine Dottery, who was the foundress of the Madonna House in Canada, and some of those who've joined her in her work. And um, they had developed their own farm to provide for their needs um, called St. Benedict's Farm. And so it goes. Fall plowing has begun. My partner Greg and I guide our teams of horses over each field, and as we see the soft earth being turned up, many thoughts come to mind. The harvest is in. Bales of hay are in the barn stacked in neat rows. The grain is piled in the granary. They are the fruit of our cultivating and seeding almost five months ago. The cows, sheep, and horses show signs of good health and growth provided by the many hillside pastures. The root cellar is filling up with potatoes and much more. In a sense, the real harvest is the smiling, healthy, almost radiant faces of our brothers who will benefit from these products. Despite the drought this summer, with some poor crops God has provided, we may not have an abundance, but we will have enough to see us through next year. The harvest is the fruit of our labor, our planning and learning, our listening, our silence, our prayers. God has watched over and blessed this farm. As we continue plowing, Surrounded by the splendor of hills and autumn color, it is the land, the earth, that holds my attention. I reach down and touch the earth. Sandy loam, unseen soil creatures, bacteria, and fungus add to this complex medium, not to mention the lacework of chemical compounds and organic matter. It is astonishing that a small handful of dirt can hold so much. Yet what is more simple and ordinary than the earth? You put in a seed, 
and a little later up comes a sprout, then a plant, then the harvest. It is a given, yet a gift. It is God's good earth. We take it for granted. It has always been here, always will be. Several families have worked these fields before us. A hundred years from now, will those who farm here inherit a healthy, living earth or one that has been abused, poisoned, made sterile? The answer lies not so much in a philosophy or a technique, but in our relationship with God. The motivation is love, love for God, our brothers, and all creation. Our farm is an unusual place. We call it an apostolic farm. As our foundress Catherine said, where love spills itself into the earth and gazes at the earth reverently. This love brings us to see the land as a gift from God. Each piece of earth is an opportunity to love by asking God what we can do to bring nutrition, order, and beauty from this piece of land. We avoid seeing the land as a mine. We do not just take from the land. We put back in as the soil and crop demand. We not only fertilize, we try to make fertile. The difference is in the heart and looking for ways to work the fields. We employ both modern methods and yesterday's traditions as love requires. In keeping with the spirit of our Madonna house life, we try to remain simple, poor, and childlike. Each day as we go to the fields to plow or seed or spread manure, we have an opportunity to echo Christ's tenderness for the earth. I have the chance to bring Christ's tenderness to my fellow workers, to the animals we use, to all living things. As I cover the ground with my footsteps, I spread my prayers. I'm increasingly aware that through my baptism and as partaker of the Eucharist, I carry Christ into these fields. He is with me, blessing all his creation and restoring the land. Each field should speak of integrity and reflect honesty, for my life is being spent there. The earth is awakening. Farmers are returning to their fields. Each day, imperceptible growth, much of it beneath the surface, leads to a living carpet. Finally, the day arrives. The pasture is ready. One of the most thrilling sights to a farmer's winter-weary eyes is that day when the gate is opened and the herdsman leads his beauties out of the barnyard and up our hill to the first pastures of springtime, Every animal carries its head high, nostrils straining, heart pounding, its whole attention fixed on that first mouthful of tender spring pasture. A new season has begun. The pastures have come back again. They are practical, utilitarian, and require upkeep. Work, thought, and prayer must be poured into them. Can a person love a field? Over the years, many of us farmers have worked these pastures hundreds, thousands of times to bring down the herd for milking, to walk a fence line, to seed an erosion area. After many years, you know them like the back of your hand. They wear a place in your life. They grow into the heart. And each spring, that place in the heart reawakens. I remember seeing a 60-minute special, I think it was, years and years ago. And in that show, they had a farmer they were interviewing, and he said that he felt more church outside than he ever did inside of a building. And, of course, why is that? Because we're ordained to work the soil. 
And for those who disdain it, build the cities. That's where Cain went to. He was confined to the city. And we have these cities and intensive populations which have always had an agrarian touch to them until recently we banned it. And so there's no contact with creation. And this is a core part of our lady's messages. Go out and have an encounter with God the Creator. Go into nature. Of course, Satan hijacks nature now. And it's become a God. The earth has become God. What's the proper balance? Well, within God's laws. With God's purpose. Our lady said, Let your only instrument be, instrument be love. She said another message through love, you'll achieve everything. And I can say when I spoke in Normandy, all across France, the only part I saw where people really loved was the farmer region of Normandy. They make fun of them because of the country French people. But there's something to this, something wholesome. There's something in the people when we sat down at dinners back in the villages. Something beautiful. And so we've lost love because we've lost this connection to God the Creator. The tomatoes is in the can at the store, <clears throat> not pull up from the vine in the, in the garden. You can't help but contemplate and grow love with growing these things. So this writer is bringing light to this. But also God's wanting to show us something in this time, that there's a parallel, a mimicking of God, and even using the land for that purpose. We have a guest with us today, Chris Ann Hall. Her husband is also named Chris. He's with us. But Chris Ann is going to be speaking at the conference December 6th and 7th. And what we do with the message and speak about the message, she does with the Constitution and the Declaration. And I literally mean that. She gave a profound talk last night. It wasn't a talk. It wasn't a speech. It's, not a, it's an oratory. I cringe when I hear somebody say, I'm an author. I'm not an author. I'm, I write to Christians and potential Christians and non-believers and those who need to know the love of God, where we're going to. Epistles. They're letters. I'm not interested in making money on it. I'm interested in convicting, convicting the mentality, the metanoia, to conversion. So Chris is a missionary. A missionary of the Constitution and Declaration of Independence. Not afraid to bring God into it. And so we have all these moves that's going into our nation and where we're headed right now because we've really lost the connection to the soil, who we are as a people. I was looking to get preparation for the conference and things I put back about community and I found a Wall Street Journal World News Report January 26, 2009. And it was about, a Bolivia, about Bolivians, Bolivia rather, and the Bolivians who were elected a new president who his term is up at five years. And because they become dictators, that was all he was going to be able to hold until he starts going to the people. And what he did was he wanted to change the Constitution so he could be reelected. And so the Bolivians, the title is Bolivians Projected to Approve the New Constitution. But I want to read this to Chris and her comment on it. And welcome to the show today. <coughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> but anyway, it says, In our country, 
there are 36 languages. And the new constitution takes on all peoples into account. For the first time, there'll be justice for everyone. We'll all be included, said Afonio Sanchez. Miranda, an indigenous leader and a deputy of the Ministry of Justice, said in Bolivia, wealthy or low-lying eastern states, which are threatened by Mr. Morrill's effects to redistribute the farmland and natural gas revenues, is the large majority of voters who would reject this except for the indigenous people. Noel Webster, her effort was to have one language which would unify us, not 36. And so they want to change the Constitution to 30, that these 36 languages won't be brought to one language, but the diversity, everybody be represented through justice. If you like me another four years, in other words, I'm going to give you what you want. And what do they want? The new Constitution seeks to give the central government greater control over natural resources and decolonize the country by redistributing wealth and recognizing new rights for Bolivia, Bolivia's majority indigenous population. The Communist Manifesto line, class warfare. Chris, your comment? <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm, and I'm, I'm realizing, I'm understanding... Um, something that I teach so often that happens that you actually hear real life applications and uh, what I teach then sort of solidifies even greater in my mind you the distinction in uh, between our constitution and other constitutions around the world is that our constitution is built on the principle uh, and the gift of liberty you see, their constitution is searching for justice. That's not what our constitution is built on. Our constitution is built on liberty. Our framers knew that liberty was the only way that a people could remain free. Uh, we believed uh, at the time of the drafting of our constitution that liberty was a gift from God. Jefferson said that the God who gives life gave liberty. And how can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we remove their only firm foundation, the conviction in the minds of men that liberty is a gift from God? So they're searching for justice, and it's not God's justice, mind you. It's, it's man's justice. So they're looking uh, not towards God, but towards the justice of men. Uh, not only that, right? It, it has to do with this, this understanding that... Uh, what was it that they said, uh, that the government would be recognizing new rights for the people? See, that's another fundamental difference between other governments and our government. Our government was established on the premise that the people are the possessor of the rights because God has given us our rights by the nature of our creation. We are created in God's image, and so we've inherited these rights from God. He's given them to us. And which means uh, we are a government uh, of the people, by the people, for the people. The government is derived of men, receiving its just powers from the consent of the governed. This Bolivian government represents governments that are all over the country, where the power not comes from the people, but comes down from the federal government. You see, that is not a republic. 
That is a dictatorship. Whether it's a constitutional dictatorship or not is irrelevant. Because when you have the power that comes down from a government and not up from the people, the Constitution is irrelevant. It, it's just simply a design to declare a monarchy. The purpose of our Constitution is to create a limited and specific federal government, a federal government that derives its power from the people. And if we have a federal government that is not constrained by the Constitution, that is not limited and specific as defined and created by the Constitution, then the Constitution itself becomes just as irrelevant as the Bolivian Constitution. This Bolivian Constitution thing is not something too isolated. They did it in South Africa. Mm -hmm. They fired the first shot goes in about South Africa's Constitution because we had a Supreme Court justice hmm. who said that I would not look in 2012 to... Our Constitution, but South Africa's. It's the model. Now, why is this? And, of course, Bavillian, the same people behind South Africa's was behind Bavillian, B B Bolivia's. The same people behind that is Venezuela's. It's, it's, it's a move to knock down these constitutions, rechange them, to centralize the government. And as quoted in this article, the first time there will be justice for everyone. We are all included, which you have to get the masses to do that, to get it to pass. And they're the ones that are going to suffer the most for it. So the whole game with this is knocking these out like dominoes because the big domino to knock out at the end is America's Constitution, which there is efforts to change this. But, Chris, do you feel we're in, headed towards some kind of confrontation? And that confrontation uh, hinges on, of course, constantly going back to Constitution and Declaration of Independence, I know through our ladies' apparitions, there is a separation occurring. The messages show it. We've got to pick where we're going to be. But can you describe this confrontation or what do you see coming as a result of what road we're on right now? Well, uh, I let's understand a confrontation does not mean violence. You know, uh, advocates in a courtroom engage in confrontation. So I, I just want to be clear about that. But, and, and I say that because I'm about to say something that might be very shocking, so I need you to understand what I mean by confrontation. We had better be ready for a confrontation. We better be preparing for a confrontation. We better be willing to engage in a confrontation. And that confrontation must be the states standing in the face of a, of a growing federal government, a federal government that has pierced its boundaries of the Constitution. And that confrontation must happen, because if that confrontation doesn't happen, then we are headed for something even worse. We have got to have, in the United States, states who will stand for their sovereignty, protecting the liberties of the people from this federal government that we have that seems to think that they work and operate under a constitution much like Bolivia's. And apparently, uh, Justice Ginsburg wants us to operate like that, which, in my humble opinion, is the direct evidence that she's no longer qualified to represent the Constitution of the United well, States. Let me clarify opinions. Opinions is something that you have by your taste and you might think this or you, somebody else is entitled to their opinion. No one's entitled to no other, no other opinion but that statement. Truth is truth. That's right. And that's what we need to be. We need to really look at truth and we, we think we've got to give way to other opinions. I'm not interested in hearing anybody else's opinion about Ginsburg. She said mm -hmm. what she said. Mm -hmm. The moment she said, do not look 
at the U.S. Constitution, look at another one, then she's disqualified completely. Absolutely. In truth, from the Constitution of ruling on anything. Right. So we, we don't even have to go there like we're giving somebody else's opinion. It's not debatable. This is one thing <laughs> I always tell us. Don't debate. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the truth. You don't like it. Get on the other side because we don't want you with us. It's that simple. Right, right. So. You don't like the truth, then you've just classified yourself. <laughs> right, right. And I don't, I don't need to be friends with you anymore. Right. And that's one thing. One thing that's coming is there's going to be a great separation, just like the early church. People, Christians, pagans became Christians. They can no longer even fit in their family. Mm-hmm. And that's their right. family ostracized them, even killed them often. And, and where were they to go? They wanted to be around like-minded people. Community was a natural result. Mm-hmm. They didn't say, okay, I just want community because I think it'd be nicely to be. They had to be able to ex- exercise their liberty, their freedom to exercise their belief in Christ. And because of that, they were driven into community and home churches. And so uh, I know you're, you're, you're Baptist and your husband is, is a Baptist pastor. And it's and it's a unity of thought that we have immediately we connect. I could go to mm-hmm. stay with y'all and not think about it. You could stay with us, which you've done, not think about it. But many Catholics, I couldn't. Right. And and there's a there's a unity of thought, a philosophical belief that the denomination differences really are not separating us as much as what Christ taught through love is uniting us. And once we understand that, we see that we can be more like-minded. I just had a Catholic family said they've been with this Catholic family for years. They read they fried the first shot. They have some Mennonites who have a little difficulties with some of their Catholicism, but they're friends with them. And he called me because I know him personally. He said, well, what should I do? He said, I just feel like this Catholic family, they're, they're not on board. I feel, I feel, I can't, I can't, I can't unite with them. They're the same denomination. And, he said, these Mennonites, we're, we're completely, see, we see eye to eye. And so, I'm not talking about, about amalgamation of theological thought, but I'm talking about the way we live our life. We're, we're in trouble, people. Our Constitution, what they're doing to it, the Declaration, which is still something we can call upon, it's not dead, and it's not alive like they say, like biblical things, but, but it's based on biblical truth, which that part of mm-hmm. it, and, and the, what threads in it, we can bring to our life. It's something we got to fight for. And something really struck me last night because I'm willing to die for what I believe. I have no problem with it. When our lady said, holy martyrs died witnessing, I am a Christian. She died at the foot of the cross of Christ. You know, the beauty and the joy of holding that infant in the nativity of Christ that we're coming to, the, the intense joy. She knew this was the Messiah. The angel Gabriel told her he was the Messiah. Told her. The name, his name would be Jesus. Some people think she didn't know that. She knew this. She knew she was chosen for that. What do you think she felt suckling this God at her breast? How beautiful that was. No one's ever done that. No one's ever felt that intensity of being this close to God. Nobody, not even the angels, was entrusted with God. And so holding that child, what do you think she felt at the cross holding the same cold dead body? Nobody's ever felt that sorrow. Nobody's ever been crucified that way because she knew fully what she was doing. We've got to know fully where we're headed. Is it to martyrdom? Like Patrick Henry, I'll fight. But I'll die if I lose liberty. That's not a problem for me. And I think I heard that out of you last night. And that's where I connect 
well, people have the same thought. When you said, we stand them down and let them make the move, we're not going to be violent. They're the ones that will, and they'll prove who they are, mm-hmm. which I thought was a wonderful statement. That's when I knew we were locked in our ideas in the same way. Well, I think it's important for us to understand uh, that those of us who who love God understand that this nation is a gift from God, understanding that the Constitution built on the principle of liberty as a gift from God also embodies that gift, and that when we have a government who is working contrary to the Constitution— we don't have to revolt against anything. It's the government that's revolting against the Constitution. Exactly. We can stand confident and sure that we are on solid ground. We have a firm basis to say we will not submit to an, to an errant and aberrant authority. We have the right to say that. And we are not fighting against anything. We are holding on to something that is rightfully ours, something that has been established, uh, as, as we learned last night and we'll learn at the conference, has been established over 700 years of, of, to- of toil and, and turmoil and battle in the name of liberty. We don't have to, to wonder what the results will be. We don't even have to be violent. We just have to simply stand firm. And as we, as I mentioned last night, if we stand firm in the states, which our framers said over and over again is within our right to do, that if the federal government denies the limitations of the, go- of the Constitution, the states have the right and the duty, they said, to stand against that government. And if we simply say, you will go no further, we will not honor these unconstitutional dictates. What we are doing is standing firm on a solid ground, and then the federal government will have to make the choice. We spend too much time in defensive mode. Amen. All we do is think, okay, 2016's the answer. We've got to do this. We've we got everything. Why do we have to go to court about saying something's constitutional. We don't have brains. It's easy to know that we have the constitutional right to free assembly. I don't need to go sit there and ask permission to do that or go to the court and then appeal it to the Supreme Court, spend all that energy. We can quit doing that. And they fire the first shot. shows you how to take your personal interest to your well-being and your world because your world is not in China. Your world is not in Bangladesh. Your world is not in any place. What affects you is what your world is. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember getting hurt by one drop of water with the tsunami that hit three thousand miles of the coastline of India and other places. You know, it's tragedy. Okay, we pray for that, but your world is what surrounds you, and and they find the first shot really is about taking that world back in hand and say no more. You're not going to do this to me. You can do what you want, and then we'll react to that. But we're holding on, just as you said, to what we already had, and what we need to restore. Now, revolution in the book, They Fired the First Shot, is about revolution, but it's revolting against that surrogate system that has replaced this government. Well, I don't want to replace the United States of America. Mm-hmm. We've got everything beautiful in it. As you said, it's a gift from God. There can't be questioned the founding of our nation is from God. God spent centuries preparing for this mm-hmm. nation. That's right. And there's no other nation like this, and it is exceptional for that reason. Well, our framers... And, and, and what I always find amazing is the more that I study and, and, and the more that I read what our framers wrote, because they were prolific writers, 
And they wrote over and over and over again, uh, not only about uh, what they were what they were doing, but what they were thinking while they were doing it. And you had mentioned something about we don't need to ask the Supreme Court's permission. We simply do not. Our framers thought that to be an absurdity that the states would look to the Supreme Court to be the ultimate arbiter of what is constitutional or not. The Supreme Court is a, is a part of the federal government. And for the federal government to be given the power to say what they're able to do and what they're not able to do is to completely destroy the Constitution, its limitations, to deny the states exist and deny that they are the supreme over the federal government. It is, it is to create a complete absurdity in the Constitution. It'd be like having a criminal sitting in the courtroom and then the judge looking at him and say, well, you know what? Do you think you're guilty or do you think you're innocent? We'll let you decide. When we come back, I want to ask you the question in reference to not going to the Supreme Court and how do we do that? It was the word they were all afraid to say. Just to speak it would mean certain death. Revolution. The brave men in 1776 knew very well the cost of freedom. Do we know it today? While we allow ourselves to be managed by a surrogate system of government, are we willing to do what they did? They fired the first shot 2012 by a friend of Medjugorje, a book that has helped thousands in a few short weeks make the decision to throw off the chains of tyranny and find freedom. They fired the first shot 2012, available from Amazon.com or on Medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call us in the U.S. 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. They fired the first shot 2012. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. As I said about last night, Chris and what she was saying last night was not a speech, not a talk. It's a profound statement. And these are the kind of moments we live in. Can you say Patrick Henry was given a speech? We may refer it to that, but it wasn't that. Something historic. I feel what we do on a daily basis here, even with just cleaning the bathrooms, is of historic nature because of the way we do it. We're a window to what can be in the future. That's what we'll show at the conference, how we did what we did. It took a lot of prayer. And we got a Baptist minister in the field at 5 a.m. praying with us out there. <laughs> yesterday, and this morning was cold, and he was out there yesterday with us. And we've done that 365 days a year for 25 years. And if it's raining, and if it's lightning, and if it's lightning striking the ground, we're out there sitting on that ground underneath that tree in the middle of a field. But that gives way to some kind of fruit. It's us paying our due for what the forefathers brought and paying their due for the nation. You said something I want to touch on, too, uh, about sacred honor after you answer this question about the Supreme Court. But I'm saying this only because we don't have the conviction to roll back the inroads being made against us. We lose and we, lo- we lose and we lose and we lose. Why is that? And it's because we look to the Supreme Court to take our stand or to take our stand for us 
And all the while we lose every time we go there. Well, James Madison and Thomas Jefferson both made some very strong statements about this. And I think that we have to understand what those statements really mean because they weren't just it's like you said they're not idle words they weren't just simply talking they weren't giving a speech they were giving profound direction and they explained that although the federal government uh is uh that although the supreme court is a court it is also a part of the federal government which means it is subject to be uh tyrannical in the same way that the executive branch can be and or Congress can be. And so if we sort of look to the Supreme Court as as being uh, the ultimate decider of, of what is constitutional or not, what we're doing is we're giving them a supreme power, a power to say uh, and a power to be tyrannical. And so in pointing that out, they then gave the remedy for when the federal government goes uh, outside of its boundaries, goes crazy. Uh, Alexander Hamilton said in Federalist Papers 33 that when the federal government, which is three branches, the Constitution created a federal government of three branches, not just the executive branch and and the legislative branch, but also the judicial branch. It is part of the federal government. When that federal government steps outside its bounds of the Constitution, Hamilton said, It is up to the people to redress the injury that's been done to the Constitution. He also said in Federalist Paper 78 that no act, no legislative act contrary to the Constitution can be valid. To say that a legislative act that is contrary to the Constitution, he says, would be to say that the government is superior to the people, that the creation is superior to the creator. That the subject is, inf- is, is, is master over the master. And so what they did was they laid the guidelines for a principle called nullification. Nullification is literally the states standing up and say, saying what, what Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton all said. That we don't have to uh, submit to an unconstitutional law. Because it's null and void. And since it's null and void, we don't have to submit to it. And not only that, we will not submit to it. Simply saying, we will not comply with this. So you act accordingly. And and, in legal terms, we say govern yourself accordingly. Because we're simply not going to enforce this in our land because it has no effect. And that is the response. The Supreme Court ruling whether something is constitutional or not is not the proper response. That is an aberrant response. The proper response is the states who created the Constitution by which creating the government, who are, who are the judges of what is constitutional, to say, uh, we are not, we're not complying, and it's the spirit of nullification that will maintain the Constitution. It's the federal government which is supposed to submit to us. Yes. And we not submit to it. And we reverse these roles. And really, this is what God's coming back to give us liberty. Don't think for one moment that the message of Medjugorje is not to restore liberty, which is God's 
made an attribute besides love, but liberty is love because liberty is your free choice, your free will. And everything operates on that. And as Susan said last night, or rather Chris said last night, with morals. You were talking last night also about the forefathers who were willing to, who did, not just willing, they, they gave their wealth, they gave their life, and they gave their sacred honor. And so the sacred honor is something that, that was of interest because you were teaching also in our school yesterday. The sacred honor is something that I want you to address. What does that really mean when you give your sacred honor? Well, sacred honor is another term for your reputation. It means that you're willing to do what's right when the rest of the world says it's not right. You do what's right based on what what the law of nature, of, of God's nature says. You know what, what laws of God say. You stand with God in the face of a world who doesn't recognize God anymore. We, we learned in the school of, about a man named James Otis Jr., one of our great founders of this nation. He was an attorney. He was fighting against the federal government, uh, the king and the parliament, who'd passed a law called Writs of Assistance. These writs of assistance were what we refer to in the legal field as a as a uh, a, a warrantless search and uh, or a handwritten warrant. These handwritten warrants are powers placed into the hands of agents of the government to arbitrary power to simply take search and take the property of the colonists without any due process, without any judicial review, without any limitation on their authority. It simply gave these agents the arbitrary power to go to the colonists and say, by the authority invested in us by the King of England and Parliament, you must let us in your house and search your stuff. And that was it. And the colonists were very angry about this. James Otis Jr., argued in court for five solid hours against these, these writs of assistance. He called them the most uh, arbitrary use of power, the most uh, destructive of liberty that ever were in an English law book. And in that argument, you can, you can read it online, in that argument, he indicates what he suffered in this battle. He, he tells us that, that he's been shunned by the legal community, that he cannot work anymore, that he'll never, have, he'll never be able to practice law, that his colleagues have disparaged his name, his community has shunned him. And he simply said in retort, call me what you will. My liberty is worth more than my name. This is of great interest because... What we do is, is really, we've got to give up reputation. Mm-hmm. And people always ask, why don't you defend yourself? Or why don't you put this out? Or why don't you say the contrary? If I did that, that's all I'd be doing. <laughs> right. So, it, you and know, it's it, the thing, I'm not on the defensive. Right. I don't need to be on the defensive. Right. You need to give truth and let people that can't see it and decide against you or for you. Mm-hmm. Because this is what this is about. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, I come not for man's peace, but my peace is is with the sword to divide. Who's going to be with me? Who's not? The whole principle of heaven and hell is the division. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be rewarded. You want to love God. Then you're rewarded. You don't. Then you're free to do that. 
And so we live in this kind of age. This is a time of separation. Uh, people don't realize that, that, well, can I separate from my husband and wife? No, you can't do that. You've got to bear your cross. Jesus kept Judas beside him. I'm not talking about separation from that. We've got to do everything we can to love and convict those who have never known the love of God, those who don't, don't believe, those who philosophically are different from us. But one thing we don't have to do is, is like them. Mm-hmm. You've got to love them. You've got to love your enemy. You right. don't have to like them. And we have to understand we have enemies now. And, and we, we don't want to, to fraternalize with that. Jesus went to the sinners, but he didn't fraternalize with continued sinners. They had to change. Mm-hmm. And so we need to understand what separation means and what unity means. And we're growing in a body just like we've just met mm-hmm. and, and others around the country. Uh, Christiane was in Long Island this past summer speaking at Catholic schools two and three a day for a whole week. At the request of the bishop, right? Right, right. I was up there. A Baptist and a Baptist times. girl up there talking <laughs> Catholic schools. Why? Because she's got truth. It's the same truth the Catholic Church has, and we have the same truth that she has. When you get truth, is truth. If the Buddhist believes, which they do, in love of neighbor, we have to accept that truth. We may not accept the other things because it's, it's not just Christianity. It's totally different from what we do. At the same time, to deny their truths that they do have is to deny our own truth. I think it's interesting to point out that uh, we serve a living God. We have have dedicated our lives to the Savior Jesus Christ, which means that we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, which is why we are able to connect because our spirit, that indwelling Holy Spirit, God himself recognizes Uh, allows me to recognize God within you because we share that 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 indwelling Holy Spirit through our faith and devotion to Christ. Now, that's why we are able to to love our brother. Our brother is not a denomination. My heart does not have the indwelling denomination. It has the indwelling spirit of Christ. And to say that I am not able to to be in fellowship with you because you have a different denomination is to deny Christ within me, to deny Christ within you. We may have differences of opinions on, on how to serve Christ, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away the fact that we have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior and that He lives within us. Our differences may be uh, in, in serving how we do that. The, the uh, epistles show us that the, the Ephesians, the Colossians, the Galatians, they all had different ideas on how to serve Christ. But that didn't take away from the fact that it was Christ that they were serving. Well, the doctrinal differences can't, there's no doctrine showing that you still are not to love. Love right. is, is, is like all he says. She said, Here, a message. I wish you life to be love. Only love. Everything you do, do it with love. You also do as Jesus did. He died out of love for you, offer every little mm-hmm. sacrifice to Jesus. And so we see the whole thread of what all he's coming to show is, is to unite us through this love and to recognize that we do have enemies that we need to pray for, but we don't need to be stupid about. Right. And, and we're headed for this stand. And I feel we're in the throes of, of what birthed this nation to start with. It's the same thing that's going to rebirth it again. We already have the documents 
as in they fired the first shot, we don't need another Declaration of Independence. We already have one. We just need to declare independence from federalization. Right. I don't want it in my house, my land, my state, my family, nothing. They're not, they don't need, to, they're not supposed to be there. Frank, I know you're holding on. Yes, right? I've been rejoicing online over here. <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful to hear you, Chris. Uh, the last words Thank we you. heard in, in the gospel reading on Sunday were, those that follow the truth will uh, hear my voice. And so it's beautiful to see you in lockstep union with the writings and where the remnant is being led. And uh, in our particular ministry this week, uh, Tuesday was the Feast of the Miraculous Medal, and Wednesday was the Feast of St. Catherine. So the Holy Spirit has been on me to make a very strong statement today because our time is very short. Uh, a friend, uh, we're going to try to make it to uh, Pittsburgh, a friend of Medjugorje will be speaking there on Saturday. And uh, a friend that I'm going to meet there said his wife said to him on uh, Thursday, I wonder if this will be our last Happy Thanksgiving. Hmm. Now, she didn't know that's what we named the show last week. Who hmm. said your wife and, said it? I'm sorry? You said a friend of yours said that? Yes, yeah, so that uh, in, in, who's going to meet us in Pittsburgh for the talk said they, they were going, I think they were at Mass. And she said to him, I wonder if this will be our last Happy Thanksgiving. And he had already known, uh, listened to the show. She didn't. She hadn't been online. She had no idea what the show was named. And uh, and so, and this is also where many people I'm talking to are feeling, and, and certainly, it's heavy upon me that there's no more important advent to prepare to meet Jesus eye to eye than this. That this is what we should be doing this advent because um, our time is very short. So, the statement that I want to make is. Satan used Judas to betray the Son of Man with silver. Our Lady wants to use the miraculous model, Medjugorje Round, to crush the head of the serpent in our time. And I want to under people to understand the greatness of your role. You've chosen to be online today, or you've chosen to uh, listen to this CD. For whatever reason, you couldn't have made a better decision. This is the most important website on the internet, in the most important ministry on earth. The writings are unparalleled, and Our Lady has confirmed this. The Holy Spirit has confirmed this. And I'm going to tell everybody, no matter where you are, and if you're new to conversion, new to Medjugorje, that there's undisputable witness from heaven of what this ministry is doing. And from October 6th, 1986, when a friend of Medjugorje asked a question specifically about America, United States, this region, this area, being led that America was very important to the future and got the message, pray more and buy your life witness. The majority of us listening today would say absolutely definitively, our lives have been changed by this witness. Our lives have been changed by this writing. And all the confirmations Our Lady has done Every visit uh, to Caritas in Alabama, every apparition to July 3rd, when she confirmed heaven has accepted your novenas for this nation. And um, I was shocked when I opened a message today, and I opened the, the, the message book at random, 
and I prayed to Our Lady because what what I want to tell you is very strong. When I when you call me on the phone, I'll speak to you very strong about not taking half measures in in regards to the miraculous metal going around in regards to getting out of paper and traditional investments. So I prayed to Our Lady to give me a message to confirm what I'm saying, and it was the July third message. I was surprised to read that. Um, Maria had said she'd offered all our prayers for this nation. This was July 3rd, 2009. And Our Lady said, thank you. I need your prayers. I need dear children, everyone in this world, everyone in this world to be my extended hand. And I repeated that because I was surprised to see it. Everyone in this world. And if everyone in this world is not going to respond to her, how should we that are listening respond? With half measures? This has continued to be confirmed when Our Lady said, of course, on July 3rd, 2012, form small prayer groups to heal this na- to heal ourselves and this nation. And this witness, I want, it, I want to save people time today because we don't, we're out of time. And I can tell you, I've met most of the alleged visionaries in the country, and none of their witness is equal to the individual community members of Caritas. I haven't, haven't seen anything like what I've seen at Caritas, let alone what a friend of Metrogoria and Maria witnessed. And we don't need to be wasting time. One locally I hear mentioned a lot of times is been divorced twice. This is not authentic Christian morality. So we shouldn't be wasting our time. Just one more point I'd like to make okay. is that if we saw one tear from our lady, it's, it'd be unbearable. It's unbearable. We pray without ceasing. And to think that Our Lady has said, spread the devotion and caring of the miraculous metal so that more souls will be, sa- be saved. Since 1830, the beginning of the Marian age, this is why 1830 is on every round. It's on every miraculous metal. And it's a, it's a very important point. That was the beginning. And we're, we're coming to the end of this particular time. We just don't want to pass up the opportunity to change people's eternity. How do they contact you? You can call us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can contact us online at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. The conference begins this coming Thursday. It's next Thursday, December 6th and 7th. And, of course, Chris Ann and some other guests will also be speaking throughout the conference, along with a friend of Medjugorje. And that's followed by our five days of prayer, December 8th through the 12th. Uh, for the reconciling of ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. And for those of you who are within driving distance of Pittsburgh, again, a friend of Medjugorje will be speaking Saturday morning at 9 a.m., and there's information on Medjugorje.com as well. And that December 6th will be starting at 8 a.m., and you don't want to be late, uh, especially December 7th, you don't want to be late. Uh, there'll be several surprises, and I think people, as, Su- as um, I know somebody says his name is Suzanne, and I always want to say instead of Chris Ann, but I think Chris Ann and her husband Chris will be um, very pleasured by just being here for this conference themselves. There's always something to learn and always something to do when we meet new people. But anything else you want to finish up with? I just wanted to mention that if uh, people are interested in learning more about nullification or uh, learning more about my ministry, that they can find me on the internet at uh, chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L. 
dot com. And uh, as I traveled to New York to teach religious liberty to the to the Catholic churches and and the ministries up there, I'm willing to travel anywhere across the country. And if they'd like me to come teach, they not just uh, just contact me. This is a ministry, and so I I do this uh, based on free will offerings and that alone. Uh, I think Christian is in the, our reference section in, in the book. They fired the first shot. So if you've got that, you've got a number there, and we highly recommend that. And we're going to be pushing for that and things after the conference. So we're glad you're both here, and we appreciate what y'all are doing. We want to tell you that many, many people love this country, and they want to fight for it and do things. But the limit is the voting box. But we have to go to where the forefathers were. Life, their wealth, their sacred honor. Are you willing to give your life? Are you willing to give your land? Have you got land you can use for this purpose to save this nation? Or your sacred honor? We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.